0: Grace to you and peace in the name of Jesus Christ. As I have mentioned before, my mother's family, Scots, thank you, Sam. Wasn't that great? Presbyterians on both sides, but one side, markedly more so. They've lived in Natchez, Mississippi for a couple of hundred years and Natchez being a small town, they all marry one another. I have more double cousins than I can shake a stick at. Not that I would want to shake a stick at them, usually. Their hobby through the decades, through the centuries, has been drinking brown liquor any old time of day. (laughs) That's not true, not breakfast. And telling family stories about each other. For Natchez people are deeply and everlastingly interested in themselves. They remind me of us! (laughs) The stories shape-shift, of course, depending on the interests and the alliances of the teller. Carol has said for years, nobody tells the truth in your family. And I think that is a little harsh. my aunt the novelist ellen douglas used to say that one of her grandmothers had the capacity to disbelieve anything bad that any of her family was accused of because how could a member of her family do such a nefarious deed on the other hand she said her other grandmother would hear about something bad a member of her family had done And she would just reclassify the nefarious deed to a necessary, necessary, probably a fine deed that needed doing. (laughs) Because how could a deed be bad if a member of her family did it? So you can see the assessments of deeds and doers of deeds are, shall we say, fluid in my Natchez family, except somehow or another in the end, it's all just fine. It all works out just grand. Now, we didn't think up this slanty way of seeing things Scripture is full of slanted stories. This morning, we have the Hebrew scripture telling the story of Hagar and her son Ishmael being expelled into the desert because their presence disturbs Sarah, who says to Abraham, hey, this son of that slave woman, the same one she offered to Abraham in the first place, will not inherit with my son. So cast them out, and then just like in my Mississippi family, the daddy does just what the mama says. (laughs) I did not get that gene. The Abraham stories, which the lectionary gives us all summer long this year, are some of the best narrative writing in scripture, and they sure don't airbrush the characters. So Sarah is shown in all her complicated mama grizzly bareness. What matters to Sarah is her kid, not the other's kid. And we know about that. If we allow ourselves to be as honest as these stories, so this expulsion, deportation of the other's child is sandwiched between the big good news of Isaac coming as Sarah's baby. That was promised last week. And the nightmare, big tale, of Isaac coming close to being sacrificed by Abraham next week. Those are the big stories. For Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Isaac's two boys, Esau and Jacob, and especially Jacob and Jacob's 12 kids who turn into the 12 tribes of Israel and on and on and on, that's the main arc of Genesis. And of course it is. For the children of those tribes are telling these stories. But if you look over to the other children, Ishmael, and the children of Ishmael, from whom thousands of years later emerges the prophet Muhammad, they don't see themselves as an interruption or a sideline to the main story. In Islamic versions, Ishmael is Abraham's beloved firstborn son. And Abraham always loves him. And and Hagar's search for water in the desert is not just an odd plot device. Her search for water becomes the Hajj. The journey that to this day, all Muslims yearn to take to the wellspring of their faith. And Mecca is founded by Hagar, Ishmael, and Abraham, the father and the son building the most sacred structure in Islam, the Kaaba, toward which all all Islam faces for prayer. And so, what is seen and referred to in Hebrew texts as Hagar and Hagar and Ishmael's expulsion in Islamic texts, that is called the beginning for in Islam, Abraham is not some ethnic otherness. Abraham, the father of all three Abrahamic faiths, is simply the first friend of God. And we and all them others, our deepest identity goes way past mother and daddy and even fourth cousins, for we are all children of the first friend of God. Isn't that something? Now, I don't think we ever stop seeing and telling our closest-up stories as the real story, the important story. We sure haven't stopped doing that in my family over in Natchez. Just this last time I was over there for a funeral a couple of months ago, somebody told me that one of our fourth or fifth cousins, so those other people, said to her, I still don't see how y'all ended up with Roseland, which is, yes, our beautiful old farm, but we ended up with it in the 1840s. (laughs) Let it go. (laughs) I don't even wanna get into the cemetery plot fights. (laughs) Well, okay, one. My great-great Aunt Marion dug up Uncle Jamie because she said he felt like he wasn't wanted. <laughs> Aunt Marion wasn't wanted. We were okay with Uncle Jamie. I don't think I will ever stop seeing things first out of my my eyes. I don't think I will ever stop thinking about the people I love first, and I don't think you will either. That's not fake news, that is the human condition. But what is fake? What is false? What is sinful? is to ignore or deny kinship with other human beings. No human being on this earth is a child of a lesser God. And the great and cheerful good news of all saints is that we know that. We may forget it from time to time, but we know it. All saints. Because two things we remember around this block. First, over and over again, we remember what Jesus said. Don't be so scared. Don't be afraid. Fear not. That's the same message, by the way, that God gave Hagar when she was terrified her boy was going to die, and the same message Jesus proclaims this morning and in the gospel over and over again. Don't be afraid. Let's say that together. Don't be afraid. For fear is surely what drives so much That there won't be enough, there won't be enough, which leads in a slanty way to toxic disdain for the other. And also, when we are afraid, we lose on so many levels. When we are afraid, we lose. The second thing we do around here on our better days is, as Jesus says, let it go. Let loose. The words we say and sing in this dark, rich, womb-like beloved church, we let them loose. Remember last Sunday when the lights went out? We really were left in the dark, and the life of Jesus was throbbing in all these windows all around us. I saw y'all taking pictures. I wish I'd have my camera. Because it throbbed. It was my best All Saints moment ever. Everything was messed up in just the best way. And we didn't cower or divide up into little family friend groups or worry about me and mine against the other. We lit candles and cell phones and helped each other feel our way to the altar and broke bread together on our knees and there was abundance. We sang amazing grace and meant every word. And as we walked out of the dark into the light, we promised each other that we would publish glad tidings, tidings of peace. Tidings of Jesus, redemption, and release. That's who we are, all saints. All around this block, we are the people of glad tidings and tidings of peace, redemption, and release. That's our story. And you're going to have a holy new chapter coming That's our glad story, and we are sticking to it. Thank you for this year and for a wonderful chapter in my life. Amen.